Well, welcome everyone to the Sunday Recap. This is Chris McLaughlin here with Mitch Green and Ariel Eldridge, your three Bs. Hey, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. Yeah, good. Yeah. We're here. Yeah. We're here. It's a, it's a Tuesday that feels like a Tuesday this week, so that's yes. good. That's true. It's not true. a Tuesday that's a Monday. And, you know? and it's cooled down. Like, yeah. it's starting to feel like fall a little bit today. I'm wearing a flannel. Yeah. Yeah. I am I am kind of still wearing summer clothes, but yeah. that's because I've not I've not moved my wardrobe around yet. Well, well you're doing what I love, the long sleeves yes. on the top, the shorts mm-hmm. and sandals mm-hmm. on the bottom. Mitch, you gotta wear shorts as long as you can because I mean, let's just face it, your calves are immaculate. He has amazing <laughs> you know, calves. Yeah. I try to wear baggy clothing when I'm working out, so people just think, man, like if this guy was wearing like a tank top, he would just look jacked. Because all they see is my calves. <laughs> so, That's awesome. I try, awesome. you know. But. That's awesome. Hey, so I have one big thing to celebrate today, you guys. Today, we are recording our 26th episode. That means exactly half a year today. Wow. Yeah, we've been doing the the Sunday Recap Podcast for exactly half a year, oh six goodness. months today. Thank you for listening. I know. <laughs> yeah, we've been super encouraged just looking at the numbers uh, of you guys listening. We've had you know somewhere between 100 and 140 people in our church that listen to the podcast. We've heard, heard people tell us like they made it part of their their weekly routine mm-hmm. now, uh, on, going on walks or uh, on their drive time and things like that. And I'm like, man, that's super cool. We're yeah. so we're, we've been really encouraged to hear some of those stories and how this podcast has blessed you before we actually uh, jump into what we're going to talk about. Let me just ask you guys this. Like, why did we start this podcast? Like, what is, what is sort of our vision, our goal for doing this? We were bored. We had some, <laughs> we had some extra time. That's right. No, I, I, I mean, in the middle, I mean, I don't really know what was the final kicker that made us start this podcast. We all like to listen to podcasts. Let's start there. That yeah. is true. Uh, well, there's one podcast that we've referenced before, Knowing Faith, that yeah. we really like, and we all think we embody certain people on that podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty obviously. <laughs> it's one woman, two men. <laughs> so I'm not quite as ripped as JT English, though. So. I don't, I've never thought he was ripped. Although so. your your calves probably equal his. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, about your that. calves are like his biceps. <laughs> That's probably. awesome. Let's just keep I talking would, about Mitch's calves. I would replace my, my calves for some strong looking biceps any day. <laughs> let's be honest. Okay, so so that I think we all listen to podcasts. So that was mm-hmm. one part of it. Um, I think then in the middle of COVID, we were trying to just think of what are things that we can provide to our church mm-hmm. that are resources alongside the sermon that can encourage people in the middle of their week. We were all sitting around at home listening to stuff, and we were like, let's do this. Yeah. And I don't yeah. think we really knew what the response was going to be like. Yeah. So. Well, every Monday we would meet and talk about theological things anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we just have microphones. <laughs> so. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So, it, I mean, it is an overflow of what we enjoy doing together and um, just wanting to make these conversations more natural among our church, mm-hmm. um, that you don't have to be a Bible scholar to talk about the things of the Lord. So. Absolutely. I mean, really, at the end of the day, um, I think what what we need to what we need to realize is that everybody is a theologian, right? Like, everybody is. Um, it's, it's, it's just whether or not... You're a good, You're a good theologian <laughs> or not. Really, that, that's, that's the question because um, we all, it, it, when we talk about being a theologian, all that really means is that we have thoughts about God. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're doing theology. That just means we're thinking about God. Um, so everybody 
has thoughts about God, whether and even 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 atheists have thoughts mm-hmm. about God. They think that he doesn't exist, you know? Mm-hmm. So so everybody is a theologian. So I think what we want to do here is just help people um, as we're going through the sermons um, to just think through some of those things theologically mm-hmm. and um, and biblically. And then, um, yeah, and then hopefully give a little bit more application around uh, around the text and, mm-hmm. and help help people to see like, you know, theology is one of the most practical things that you can think about and do with your life. So um, anyway, so we've been excited and encouraged uh, by you, uh, by you guys listening in and uh, being a part of this with us. So, so thanks for tuning in. 26 weeks to 26 more. girl was sitting in the back this Sunday. She's in the back this Sunday and we're clapping one of the songs. Yeah. And she's like trying to get like yeah. as fast as she can. And it was <laughs> cracking me up. I've loved having the kids in there. Yeah. I know it's a little distracting, her. but I love them. I don't, you know, I don't notice them. I'm glad. So it doesn't bother you when you no. preach and kids are in the room? No. Like, I mean, a few of the kids it does, but like not like you'd expect. Yeah. Like, like people are like, did you see that kid? I'm like, no. <laughs> Look, if I were a theology professor, I would have little kids come to like preaching day and yeah. then have them just run. I run <laughs> distractions. And like let's have train cell you now. Going off in the background <laughs> yes, yes, and... let's train you now <laughs> to no. just focus on the word and don't worry about it. Right about when you're about to do your like big point, you have someone like throw up in the background. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, the sleepers like, are what happened? get me. It's yeah, not it's yeah. not yeah. the not the kids. It's like especially with like mask world, so people have a mask on. Then they'll have their glasses on, and then their mask will fog up their glasses. And then I'm like, I can't tell if you're there. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I think we're gonna keep this in the in the podcast. This is good. This <laughs> right, is good right, because right. I, I will say this: uh, the sleeper thing is really funny. So when I did the Ruth series a few mm-hmm. weeks back, it was I forget what week it was. It was like week two or week three, somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I I looked around during second service, and there were literally there were two people, eyes closed dead asleep. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. wow. Nothing's less now, motivating yeah. than now that. Now, either I'm off my game big time, which is probably true, but, um, <laughs> or like they just had a really rough night. They or were something. tired. Like, <laughs> something was yeah. going on, but I was like, And your huh. voice is so soothing that they were just like, my nasally pinched voice. So <laughs> I'll tell you, there were people this week with the mask on, fogged goggles or glasses, and I was like, I don't know. If they're like, yeah, what's, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. Oh, so, man. Mitch, uh, you preached this week, and uh, thanks for doing that. Thanks for launching the the Go Together series. Um, let's just kind of start with this. Why did you pick Romans ten? Ooh, so good. Okay, so when I preach a sermon, I am incapable of um, being given a topic. I've talked about this, I think, before. It's dangerous for me to be given a topic and not have a passage of Scripture to tie it to. Yeah. And because then I have a tendency to say, what do I want you to do? Mm-hmm. So so already entering this week, I knew it was the week before Go Together. Mm-hmm. I knew... B- before you go into that, too, yeah. I, I think that's actually a really important important thing for our listeners to hear about this yeah. because... Because that that's one of the reasons why we we are really committed to preaching exegetically uh, mm-hmm. as a church, and this is and this is what I mean by that. We, we, you can have a topic, but we want to we want to have a text that is going to then point to that topic, and you want to work through that text. And I think that's a really important thing for for us to know about that, because otherwise you run into some pitfalls. Like as a as a as a preacher or a teacher. Like and the biggest pitfall is you end up 
kind of telling people what you think about that topic <laughs> rather than right. what God's word mm-hmm. says about that topic. And so by just working through what God's word says, that um, actually sets, sets you up to, as you're preaching or teaching, to really give the words of Christ to people um, rather than your own opinions. Does, mm-hmm. that, does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. No, yeah, no. So, 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 so really important. Yeah. So, so for me, when I was walking through that, um, you look at the last couple sermons I've given, they've all came out of what am I reading personally? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I reading in scripture by myself? Because that's the safest way when I don't have a topic, we're not in the middle of the series to say, here's what I'm reading. Here's what God's teaching me. Now let's preach the sermon Yeah. because then I'm not borrowing just from this idea that I want to tell people. Um, I may, it may be timely because I'm reading it because of the season we're in. But so this week was probably the first time, um, that I've been at the church in almost four years now, almost five years now, where I had a topic, um, that I wanted to, that I needed to preach on and I didn't necessarily have scripture assigned to it. Mm -hmm. So I started to think through again, the memory bank of passages that I've gone through in my life and, this Romans 10 passage has been one that's always really stood out to me. Yeah. Um, I Even as I re- read it, I picture like being in middle school at Community Church of Southport in what in this our youth building, which is like a separate building of the church, sitting around in a Bible study on Sunday morning. And I don't know if that's when I read it for the first time, but I remember reading it and being like, oh, like how will people know if nobody tells them? Yeah. <laughs> it was just so, it was so simple to me. So, so I would just kind of luckily, not luckily, but God led me to that passage because um, I knew it was a clear way to ask people to do what we, where we were going, yeah. but it was true to the text. Yeah, right, so. right. that's really good. Um, one of the things that you brought up at the beginning was just how the, the nation is less Christian today than it was mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Um, you said things how like, you know, people are not as likely to say that they're Christian. Uh, there's lower church attendance. Um, there's more clearly drawn lines between Christians and non-Christians. So what, what do you guys think about, about this? I mean, certainly it seems like this is a major con, uh, yeah. like this is a major like problem, you know, uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to Christianity in America, but is there a pro side to that as well? Like, what, what are some of the pros and cons of, of, of this trend that we're seeing uh, in the decline of Christianity? Yeah, I think there really are some benefits to this happening because I think it's going to um, cause us to, to take um, ownership of the faith that maybe we have inherited for mm-hmm. many generations. Um, and I think that we're going to see the church start to understand what the rest of the world has wrestled with, the rest of the church that's in the other part of the world. Um, who is oppressed. Um, as an American Christian, we we have rarely run into oppression, um, especially when Christianity was culturally acceptable and preferred. Mm-hmm. Um, if you said you went to church, that was, a, that was a good thing. Well, now we're starting to see more and more people say that's not, um, that must mean that you're a bigot. That must mean that you mm-hmm. are an angry Christian, that you hate people. And you, they make a list in their head already of the people that you would hate. Um, and so I think that we, we have a, a, a fresh job, a fresh harvest in front of us of people who are um, straight arming the idea of Christ because they don't really know who he truly is. Yeah. And we're having to discover who he truly is for like maybe the first time yeah. for most of us. Sure. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's, you know, kind of, we were talking about the award show kind of Christian mm-hmm. in the sermon, but just that when Christianity was was the culturally popular thing mm-hmm. to say that you were a Christian, but 
there was no real um, clear picture of, okay, what does that mean? You know, what, theologically, what does that mean? You know, what do I believe in about God? Right. You know, so some people would say like, oh, yeah, like, I believe there's a higher power out there somewhere. I'm Christian. Mm-hmm. Well, today, it's like there's there's more language for you to say, oh, I believe there's a higher power out there. I'm, you know, this, yeah. <laughs> you know, or yeah. I believe in doing good things, but I don't believe there's a God. Therefore, I'm a secular humanist, you know, and so right. there's more language for people Um that people have bought into. So now we're actually seeing more clearly where people stand um, as it relates to faith, mm-hmm. um, wh- as it relates to religion. So they more clearly can depict where their heart's really at as it relates to the God of the universe. And that gives us the opportunity then to have conversations with them with clearly drawn lines. I think it was probably a lot harder 20 years ago when someone would go, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church where you go, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, but I've never, I remember conversations like that yeah. with people. And I'd be like, I've never seen you there in 10 years, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so I think it just, the lines are clearly drawn. It gives us the opportunity to understand, okay, who is seeking the Lord and who's not, and who do we need to have conversations with? It's fascinating because, so I'm from California and mm-hmm. on the West coast, we, I think that we saw this trend earlier than, than was seen here in the Midwest. Um, in fact, <laughs> even now, like there's still out here, there's a little bit of that cultural mm-hmm. Christianity mm-hmm. that's going on. We're just a little bit still in the Bible Belt. I like, think so. Like yeah, the top edge of it. Yeah. yeah, and so you have this this notion of like you know to sort of be a good person, to be you know socially accepted, things like that. That you need to be a Christian and be part of a church. Mm-hmm. Um, but out in the West Coast, that that had kind of disappeared. I'd say probably 20, 30 years ago. And, yeah. and, and, and what's interesting is that the people who actually go to church are more likely to be like really um, like <laughs> full bought in Christians. You know what I mean? It, and it's, that's it's, hard, a, that's it's interesting. hard to quantify it. We but, have, <laughs> yeah. I often wonder what is good language around that? Whenever yeah. you're, whenever you're talking about being invested in um, the life of a Christian or mm-hmm. uh, walking in faith. Like, how yeah. would you describe that a little more? So the, the, the way that I typically think about this, because we talk about this a little bit in the apologetics class, but but the way that I typically think about it is that you have people who are, um, uh, so you have secular humanism, which you mm-hmm. mentioned, Mitch, earlier. Secular humanism is the idea that, like, we just have this um, uh, smorgasbord of ideas that are out there that we all draw, we draw from those ideas, and it's all about um, making ourselves the very center of, like mm-hmm. uh, how we're gonna how we're gonna succeed in life and mm-hmm. and in society. There's a there's a concept that's called Christian humanism that still uses that smorgasbord of ideas, mm-hmm. except now we've got another um, another idea called you know the Bible and Christianity that's added into the mix. And so you can kind of grab a little bit from the Bible, but then a little bit from mm-hmm. this other religion, a little bit from this philosophy, and a little bit from this TV show, and kind of mix it all together. Which could be close to universalism, too, which is kind of what I was referencing. Oh, right? yeah, it can be. It mm-hmm. can be. But but I, I think what I'm pointing to here is is more that the center of, yeah. of our reality, where we look for our salvation, is actually in us. It's whether we have picked the right things in order to get us to where we want to be. I'm going to try to put you Does on the spot because yeah. I know I know you'll remember this term because you're a formal, former youth pastor, but what is the <laughs> term that we always talk about in youth ministry for this? Do you remember it? Oh, gosh. Uh, I, Moralistic 
therapeutic deism. Yeah. Yeah. They're all different. They're all little corners of this discussion. Yeah, yeah. But I think the general idea is that they're, they're, we have kind of taken faith and we've made it, we've turned it inward and we've made it about us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and I think, I think when we see some of the cultural Christian idea, what that is, is I'm looking for my own standing in society. Um, I'm looking for what's going to get me further in society and being a part of a church is, is part of that versus when you have people who recognize their own sinfulness mm -hmm. and their need for a savior um, that has to be outside of themselves. Mm -hmm. And that is the big difference, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think you see much less of that in the, in the West Coast. So. so I'm thinking of a simplified comparison. And here, the, the thing that came to mind is you're looking at someone who wants to be a good person Mm -hmm. versus someone who wants to be a changed person. Yeah, right? like, or a redeemed person. A redeemed, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, that's simpler. <laughs> so, but, um, but all of that actually really kind of leads to what you have, um, what you were preaching on for us, because it's about how, then how do we bring, how do we, how do we really help people to understand that they are in need of a savior? Yeah. And and that they need um, redemption in that sense. And that's the question that got me there. So so really, the whole thing I was trying to summarize there for people really came down to one statement, which was people are not likely to come to church on their own. Right. Mm -hmm. Because again, even still today, I think that the primary way that we think people are going to come to faith is that they're going to show up in a church on Sunday morning. Yeah. Um. And and so while that can happen sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think 20 years ago, um, especially when I talked to like my parents about their generation when they became parents, mm -hmm. it was like they started to realize as they became parents, they wanted to raise their family in the church. Mm -hmm. And so there was one reason that brought them back to church or brought them to church. They're like, we want this is important to us. Or people would have a life shattering event, like someone would die or something would happen or they'd lose their job. And, right. and then they get bought, brought back to the church through that. Mm -hmm. Well, that still kind of happens sometimes, yeah. but I just don't think um, it's less likely today than it was 20 years ago yeah. that that's the way that someone's going to come to faith. And so I think it means that we need to be more open and more upfront with sharing the gospel with people. So that was the main, absolutely, the main point was just like reg recognize that if you think someone's just going to come here on their own, even in Center Grove, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Well, let's 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 dig into the text a little bit because yeah. I think that's where this all kind of leads. This is Romans ten eight to seventeen. Okay, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then will they call on him on whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, but they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? 
So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Sweet. Thank you. So like what this is getting to is um, that salvation itself is, um, you know, from what we as Protestants believe in, things like that, when we we look at this, it's that salvation comes through faith alone, right? Mm -hmm. Like faith um, in Christ alone is what brings us to salvation. Now, faith is a is a big thing because now we have to consider where does faith even come from mm-hmm. is it something that we muster up within ourselves or is it something that then comes to us mm-hmm. in some way and and what paul is getting to here is that faith itself has an origin um and so you look at especially verse 14 um there seems to be this this chain this like um li- like these links in a chain that leads to faith so if we could kind of unpack verse 14 there. Um, how would you describe that chain? Like what, what is, what is the chain that Paul is giving us here? It's cool because he asks the questions and then he answers them Mm -hmm. backwards. And then he gets down to the fact that they, um, that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Mm -hmm. Well, what is the word of Christ? It's everything written in the scriptures, right? It is. Yeah. I mean, it's so, very often, Paul uses that term synonymously with the gospel message. Okay. Um, the technical term is his kergama, sir, or kergama. <laughs> so, uh, but, but what's, but yeah, and, and there's a huge parallel there between verse 14 and, and 17. So, like, you know, you see verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. Well, verse 14 starts out with, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And that word belief and faith, it's the same. Greek root, uh, mm-hmm. pistis. So, so there's there's faith there, and that comes from hearing. So then he's paralleling there. You have faith, you have hearing, and then he the last thing he says in, in fourteen is preaching, and that's paralleled with the word of Christ. So it's preaching the word of Christ. It's mm-hmm. preaching mm-hmm. the gospel message. Mm-hmm. So so there's a there's a parallel there of of this chain of of how we actually receive faith, and it's it's really only through the giving of the gospel. So, yeah, I wanted yeah. to dig into that for a moment because when when he says the word of Christ, the the distinction that makes for me is that it is not necessarily my testimony. Mm-hmm. It is the word of Christ. It is my testimony to what the word of Christ has done in me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think sometimes we um, we confuse the two and think that if we um, just give a testimony of of what's going on like in our, our life, just our, story, our life story, how we were changed. Right, that that's the gospel, but that's the effect of the gospel on us. Correct. So we need to tell the actual gospel. Yeah, I think that's super important. Yes. Um, I think <laughs> I think we, we they can be paired well together. Yes. You know, yes. That, that you can, you know, you've, you've heard people say probably, okay, what was your life before Christ? What was your life like? You know, how did Christ change your life? And what's your life like now after Christ? That's kind of like their three-piece format. Yeah. And that's not, it's not a bad method to share, but... Again, it's like that needs to be um, paired with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, yeah. not just your life transformation well, that someone else desires. Absolutely, and, and and I think too our context makes that little formula work better mm-hmm. because 
currently we live in a situation where we're not really, like we talked about before, experiencing persecution mm -hmm. like they are in other countries. If we use that format in another country where Christians are being persecuted, that's a terrible way to do evangelism because yeah. it would be like, hey, before Christ, I was doing really well. Mm -hmm. And then I came to faith in Christ and now I'm being persecuted. Yeah. You want to be a Christian? Like, you know, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. People would not buy that. Mm -hmm. um, here in, in our context, it makes a little more sense. But at the end of the day, um, that's probably going to go away. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, so, <laughs> so, so I'm in this seminary class right now. It's a New Testament background course, but um, I don't know what it's titled. Something like that. Context, something, something. But we were supposed to make a meme last week. Um, really, really good yeah, class. Part of <laughs> zero grade assignment, which are so frustrating. Just yeah. something he threw in there for fun. We were supposed to make a meme based off like biblical background. Yeah. And so my meme that I made was a picture of like a guy boxing a guy and it's like he's like six eight and the other guy's like four feet tall. And then yeah. side by side with a picture of Paul while he's shipwrecked, like a painting, and it said, I can do all things in yeah. Christ. Which I think like that's that's just this like this mentality that we have sometimes because we're not in a state of persecution that we read some of these things where like, oh yeah, like in God gives me the ability to do everything better now. And it's yeah. like, no, that's not the, like Paul's writing words like that to us mm -hmm. in the season of like being shipwrecked, being in prison in miserable places. So I, I think, I think it's just important for us to think about again, um, as we're having this conversation about sharing the gospel with people that we have to pair it with the work of Jesus because mm -hmm. that's, what's foundational. That's the gospel. Yeah. Which is why I think it's, <laughs> I think well, the first question we have to ask is like, okay, what are, what is the foundation of our belief? You know, that's kind of where we were trying to start in the sermon was, okay, where, you know, do we have a clear understanding of, you know, what we're doing here? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, why are we here on Sunday morning? Why are, or what's why are the we in end church? goal? Yeah. Because if the end goal is to be a good person, that changes everything. Mm -hmm. If the end goal is to glorify God and enjoy him, mm -hmm. that changes everything. Yes. Yes. Help us to then, uh, let's, let's, let's help everyone to kind of understand the distinction between what is the gospel and what is the effect of the gospel. Because when we're going to go preach the gospel and tell people the gospel, we need to have very clear what the gospel is versus what's the effect of the gospel. Mm -hmm. So so maybe, maybe help us with that distinction. Well, I think you can word it any way you'd like, but really it is the, it is the actual events that happened in order for God to bring restoration between himself and man. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can give as many details as you want, depending on the person you're talking to, mm -hmm. or you can be as simple as saying that he chose to do it by coming down in the flesh and, mm -hmm. and dying on the cross yeah. and being the sacrifice. There's even the presupposition there too, that we needed a savior right. as well, right. which is, that's tough for people to swallow as yeah. well. But that, I think that's a little bit of, I mean, that's part of the gospel because you have to have that that piece. Otherwise, it's like, well, why did he come? That's weird. And it's hard because, you know, when we when we do have this humanistic culture around us that thinks that we are typically good people, right. then it's hard to tell people, actually, no, you're pretty wretched, mm -hmm. just yeah. like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so you have to start there, and that can get really uncomfortable. But I actually think more people think that than they're willing to admit. You're probably right. It's like we want we want to present a position that we believe everybody is good, that everybody you know everybody go do you. You got your own version of good, and you do stay in your lane, and I'll stay in my lane, and we'll be fine. Yeah. But then as we watch those lanes crisscross in society, 
we want to look at the other side and say, what you're doing is wrong, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I, I, I read a book recently just because I was trying to put myself in this headspace. Um, not a book I necessarily recommend to read, but it's white fragility is the name of the book. Oh yeah. And it's a completely, you know, worldly concept, psychological book talking about how, um, that the author is stating the premise that white people have a natural tendency to, um, be racist towards African-American people. It's kind of the whole premise of the book. Okay. And there's parts of it that I wouldn't go as far in, but the whole time I'm reading this book, all this she really is talking about, and a lot of people have bought in this book, is that we all have a sin nature. Mm -hmm. Like the whole thing is that we're all drawn towards thinking of ourselves being higher than other people. Yeah. Like that's, that's like the whole point of the book if you take it out and you try to say, okay, where does the Bible fit in here? So I think more often than not, people actually do think that they're in need of a savior. They do think that they deal with sin in their life, mm -hmm. but it's like our world has told them that that's not an acceptable belief anymore. Yeah. So they, they put out a front out there by saying like, no, everybody go do your own thing. Right. But then they hear about somebody doing something that they think is wrong. And they're like, no, 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 Like you can't do that. Right. Right. It's like, okay, so there's a standard of morality that's provided by God, you know, a transcendent source that I think people would actually buy into. Mm -hmm. So, but I think I, so I think even sometimes one of our greatest tools in evangelism is identifying with the sin that we see in the world, because I think you can go to people and you can say, Hey, you saw that? Yeah, that's not right. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think that's right. And that's sin. Mm -hmm. And guess what? You deal with a little bit of that too. Yeah. You're just on the other side of it. Yeah. And so I don't know. I think it's like sometimes it's a tool for evangelism to start there with people Absolutely. that we miss Absolutely. when we just want to say, well, we don't want to tell them that like they think there's wrong stuff or they deal with sin. This That's concept is even in the text, actually, because Paul in verse 15, um, he quotes this passage from Isaiah. It, it, he says, so verse 15 says, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, this is from Isaiah 52, mm -hmm. um, and let's, I'm going to jump back over there real quick. Um, in, I, in Isaiah 52, um, there's the context of it is really the, 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 the oppression and the suffering that God's people have been going through. Uh, it talks about, so if you look back at verse four in Isaiah 52, um, he talks about, says, uh, um, thus says the Lord God, my people went down at the first into Egypt to sojourn there. Okay, so he's talking about um, the 430 years that God's people spent in Egypt under the, uh, the oppression of Pharaoh. He says, uh, and the Assyrian oppressed them for nothing. And so this is referring now to the Assyrian um, government that, that took over, the Assyrian nation that took over the known world at, at, that, at this time and was, um, came in and sacked the northern kingdom of Israel. And so, so there's, and, and actually tried to besiege Jerusalem as well, but failed. Uh, later you have Babylon that comes down and do that. And so there's a constant oppression that's happening to God's people. And those end up being pictures of sin. Those, they end up being pictures of, of how we are, um, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter um, 6, that we are slaves to sin, um, just as we were slaves in, uh, God's people were slaves in Egypt. And so when he gets down here, verse 6, he's like, therefore, he, he's like, look, um, actually at the end of verse 5, he says, like, my name is uh, continually all the day my name is despised. So like, People are, God's people are being uh, oppressed. God's name is being despised. Verse six, therefore, God's like, 
that's enough. <laughs> my people shall know my name. And therefore in that day, so this is pointing to a future event. Uh, and we would call this the eschaton or the, the end, you know, we say the end times sometimes, <laughs> but, but, but the idea of, of this day that's coming when they shall know that it is I who speak here I am. And here's the quote, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And here's the thing is that this is pointing really not to, to us, it's pointing to Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ is the one who's coming. He's the one that's being sent mm -hmm. in order to bring salvation for those who are oppressed and, and oppressed in this sense, in, in reality, by sin. Um, and so that's where Paul is getting to with this is, you know, he says, you know, we, we are, we've been now given this message of salvation that we need to go and preach when we go do that, that's Christ in us. You know, it's, it's that, that we're the ones that are being sent out now to give Christ to them um, and to show them this Messiah has come to free you from the oppression that you've, that you've been under. Ooh, Chris, that's really, really good. So um, this is fun because, <laughs> because I, I'm, I'm learning things about the text after I preach this, which is really, really cool. No, no, no. So when I think about what most of our conversations are going to look like with people, if we're willing to take steps to have conversations over the next seven weeks, like Ariel said, it's going to be talking about how does the gospel speak into things like racism, mm -hmm. like the political divide, yeah. um, like the separation of, you know, different classes or people being out of work. And, and one of the ways that I think the gospel speaks into these things is that God is at work in redeeming the world and ridding the world of sin and what's wrong. Yes. So you just gave us this picture here by looking back to Isaiah that does have this eschatological tone mm -hmm. of saying, hey, this is what we're trying to proclaim to the world, that one day God will rule, yeah. and God will rule over all things, and all of these problems that we see in the world will no longer exist. And what's interesting, too, is when you get into the Gospels mm -hmm. um, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that this has come in Christ, mm -hmm. And is still coming. It's a now yes. and not yet reality. So we live right now in this tension between this king has come, the mm -hmm. Messiah has come, and he has defeated death and sin and all that stuff. But he's, but, but it's not complete yet. Yeah, it's by the know? work of Christ on the cross. So it's like, yeah. so if you're if you're asking yourself, okay, how do I, how do I talk to people? You know, right now, it's like, well, I imagine there's a lot of people that that's what your conversations look like. Yeah. You know, look at look at people who want to talk about the different things we've seen in the world as it relates to racism. We'll talk to them about how there's an eternity, mm -hmm. you know, where God has ridded the world of those things. You know, people who want to seek justice, mm -hmm. you know, it's not just about trying to accomplish justice right now on earth. It's about realizing that there is a day, and it's the only day, where there will be true justice on this earth, and that's by the work of what Christ has already done on the cross and God restoring this world. So, yeah. so I think like— Or like uh, another example in, with politics, mm -hmm. people are so longing for having the right president mm -hmm. in that seat that's going to, you know, cure us of the national debt and, and like, yeah. you know, figure out all the, the issues and, and all that sort of stuff and get, get the country back on track or w w whatever mm -hmm. it is that, that the, the goal is. But the thing is, is— if we're looking to that right now as our ultimate source of hope, 
like that our government is going to actually bring us <laughs> the, the the peace mm-hmm. and justice and prosperity that we're looking for that's always going to fail us it's always yeah. going to fail us um that that ultimately we need to look to the new heavens and new earth and look to absolutely to, to christ taking what he has begun on the cross and bring that to fruition here on earth and we we're looking forward to that day and that is really our hope yeah and there's there, that's that's not that's not negating the gospel truth of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and paying the penalty for your sins. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that like that goes away. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is there's also this gospel truth that's looking forward this future picture that we need to share with people. And and I, the headspace I've been in is like that is in my mind as a person who's not a massive influencer in the American church, that's the tone that I think we need to have for our gospel in this mm-hmm. season with people yeah. is that, again, they're looking at the world and they can't make sense of what's going on. Yeah. And they make, can't make sense of the sin that they're dealing with in their own heart. But there's a picture of an eternity that we have in Christ of God redeeming those things that has already began at the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that I think people, um, man, people, people need to know that. Yeah. Like if you want motivation to share with people, you know, something that they need to hear, it's like ah, your neighbors need to hear that. Yeah. So tell us again in, in the message, you said that um, when you were looking at verse 15 in particular, you said that this kind of paints for you a vision for the future, a vision for how our church should be, a vision for um, uh, for people going out and, and asking and inviting. And t- tell us a little bit more uh, and, and maybe reiterate that, that vision for us. And why is this, why is this the best way? Why is this the way to, to grow the church, to, um, to bring the gospel to people, um, things like that? Yeah, I, I just think, so first it's the biblical model. I think the biblical precedent is people sharing the gospel with people and then those people come and gather to worship. The church has never been like the church gathering, the assembly. Um, In seasons in America, it has been, but it it never was intended to be like the primary place of evangelism. Mm -hmm. You know, you've even seen there's been some church models and they've they've started to change where it's been like Sunday morning was for the Mm non-believer and then you had another environment for the believer. Um, and, the, and, and it was effective in the sense that like people came, they got them to stay with some sort of element that was either attractive or something they liked. And, and then, but the problem was like, they never moved into the, like the state of growing in their belief. Mm-hmm. Um, again, and this is all documented, you know, um, Will Creek took a big part in this. They did what was called the Will Creek reveal, yeah, the reveal study, the reveal study where yeah. they found that like their people weren't growing. And part of that was because it was built on this model of like, we're just trying to attract people to Sunday morning. And Sunday morning is not about growing people, you know, in Christ likeness or even preaching really anymore. It's about trying to get them in here and get them to stay. And so as they, as they did that, as we've seen that um, happen across America, we've, we've start, we've started to see that become the mode that in the way that people think about church. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now we're in a reality where not a lot of people are doing that anymore. Most of those churches have either declined or they've changed their method. Some people are, but it, but they're not quite doing it at that level anymore. And we live in a world where people aren't going to come to church on their own. So we have to say, what is the way that God's church is going to grow, that new people are to come into faith in Christ? Not saying it's the only thing we're about, 
I mean, the primary thing we're about is building up the body. But if we're going to be a church that grows, we're going to grow through one-on-one discipleship, people sharing the gospel with somebody else. And as people come to faith in God, we welcome them into our community of believers. I had a conversation with a friend of mine. He's a pastor down the road. Um, Many of you can probably already guess who he is. But I remember when he took over the church and we were talking about it, how, you know, he started to think, you know, okay, we want to be a church that grows through discipleship. We want to kind of shift our model. And as I was talking to him, you know, one of the things we said was that this is the long game. Like this isn't like nobody expects this to be the thing where it's like, well, next month your church is going to double in numbers. And, and and it's not about that anyways, but it's like if that is like one of your metrics for success, it's not going to produce that metric right away. Mm-hmm. But what it will produce is more faithful believers and followers of Christ, people on mission, and people will come to knowledge of God um, over time. And so like, you're, like our leadership has bought into this model. Um, our elders, you know, have bought into this model. And I think it's like, so the vision forward is, hey, if Stones Crossing Church is ever going to grow, it's the people in the church being on mission, sharing the gospel with our community. Yeah. Um, not, we don't, I mean, if we never grow, fine, <laughs> that's okay. We want to still grow in Christ likeness. But if we're going to grow as a church, this is a way that we would grow. So let me ask this question. You know, we, we've been talking about how the gospel is essential for people coming to faith. Um, that that's the message that we're entrusted with and that we're sent out to go and we're to go and proclaim this gospel message to people. But how might that actually give us encouragement for, for going out and, and telling people the gospel? Like, why is, is that something that, um, that actually helps us and encourages us, uh, rather than maybe like makes it seem scares us to yeah, death. just like totally <laughs> frightening to go out and, and talk to people. Yeah. Agreed. Well, um, a couple things. First of all, we know that we are not driven by our own power or strength or our own story, because mm-hmm. we addressed that already. We know that this is actually the Lord's story, and it shares itself whenever we just talk about what has happened. Um, you lay out the facts for them. Like, this is, this is something that the Spirit uses for His glory and not ours. And so we don't have to rely on our own power to make that happen. Um, second thing... Um, since it's something that God has called us to do, he is going to equip us. And so I do believe that we've each been gifted with ways in which we can reach people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not all the same. And it's not all the same. Right. Right. And I don't think that we need to be discouraged because we are different from someone else, another believer. Mm-hmm. Um, and to play off of like what we were talking about earlier too, we were talking about Christians that are bought in fully and some that are maybe still hanging on to philosophies of the world. I mean, you can't be half a Christian, right? So they're not levels of... You're either Christian or you're not. Yeah. We talked about right. that in this podcast. You're either pregnant we? or you're not. You're either Christian <laughs> or we talk not. about the half save guy at the softball game? <laughs> yeah. I think we did talk about it. <laughs> um, so the, the same spirit that is in me is in Chris, that is in Mitch, is in you, is working in us with the same power of, of Christ. And, mm-hmm. and so there's nothing in me that is more Christian than what is in you. Um, it is the spirit of Christ at work. And so we, have, we can take heart that he has already overcome the world and that um, he has decided to work through us in the world. Um, and, and we can just be thankful for that, that we get to yeah. play a little piece of it. Yeah. So let's now talk then about application. Mitch, you, you, you said, you know, really 
what did we want people to do coming out of this message? Well, it's to get into one of these these uh, go together study environments, right? Mm-hmm. So we have we have our um, our women's ministry. There's we just learned there's 53 women in in that mm-hmm. maybe 52. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're going back and forth. We'll, yeah. we'll, I'll check the numbers. Uh, <laughs> which is awesome, super mm-hmm. cool. Um, we have a brand new men's ministry that just launched. There's 15 guys that are meeting online on Wednesday nights for that, and then we have D groups. And so, um, uh, why should people get into one of these go together study environments? I think, I think it accomplishes, you know, a lot of different things that I was encouraging, um, in the sermon throughout Paul's text. So the first is that, okay, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to go together. So if you're not in a place yet where you feel equipped or ready to go, mm-hmm. you're going to talk about it with a group of people. I, gonna... I love how you, I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, but I love how you said, if we have questions that we're wrestling with, yeah, that we need, like, we need to work that out with other believers and with God's word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't have the same questions forever. Yeah. yeah. That's just not don't, an option. Don't sit on them. <laughs> I know. When you don't ask them and you don't wrestle with them. What are you doing? You're going to have the same question a year from now. Yep. Yeah. And you're not going to get any progress on that. Yep. So, so I would just encourage you, you know, it's like, okay, join an environment to work on your believing, to grow in your knowledge of God. Um, and what does it look like to go together? The second thing is you're going to be in a community of people that are encourage you to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll have elements mm-hmm. throughout this series where we're talking about what it looks like to go. And so not only will this help spur you along in being somebody that's carrying the gospel message to other people, um, to share with people, but it's also kind of works on that believing side. So I think it's like, regardless yeah. of where you're at, it's why there's just one application because it kind of covers both bases. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, we're, we really are, um, I think, excited about what this study can do for you. We want to... Um, ultimately, we want everybody to grow in this and to get better at this and to realize that you actually have a um, you have a a, a a mission field and that mission field could be um, one person, it could be your spouse, it could be your kids, um, but it could be as wide as, uh, going to another country. We're actually going to meet a, a family mm-hmm. that's getting ready to go to another country across the world. We're going to uh, meet them on Sunday next week uh, in the service and talk about the, what they're doing. But that could be the mission that God is calling you mm-hmm. to. How exciting it is that we are really called to partner with God in this and that we can trust him that no matter wh- what he calls us to, mm-hmm. that he's it, it, like you said, it's the same spirit that's with mm-hmm. us to equip us and give us everything we need to do what he's calling us to do. Can we talk about really quickly next steps for say we, w- we reach out to someone, say I um, go knock on my neighbor's door, we have lunch together or something. Yeah. What do we do next? What if, what if she's like, okay, wh- what am I calling her to? It's <laughs> a good question. Yeah. I mean, meet with them. Um, I mean, again, learn a little bit about their story. Mm -hmm. You understand where they're at in their, you know, faith journey, if they've ever, you know, stepped foot in a church or not. That's really good. Let me pause you for Mm -hmm. a second. I'm going to give you two questions you can ask when you're Mm -hmm. doing that. It's, you could phrase it different ways, but essentially what you want to find out from people in that context is what do you believe Mm -hmm. and why do you believe it? Hmm. Um, asking those questions are really important because it gets them to talk about their story and their belief system. A lot of times, and and um, and I think that you'll find this once you start asking those questions, is that people 
may assert a belief, but they have no clue why they believe what they believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that's even true of Christians um, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that don't actually know why they believe those things. So sitting down with someone and asking, what do you believe? Why do you believe mm-hmm. it? Um, in, in some form uh, can actually be a very revealing conversation and help you to know what the next step should be with that person. Cool. Yeah. And then, and then I think it is having conversations around the gospel with someone. Now, again, that may not be in one sitting, mm-hmm. you right, know, right. it may happen over time. It's actually probably likely not going to be in one sitting, but as we said, you know, um, we know, we know what our friends talk about. Like I could look at every one of my friends and I could tell you, okay, this guy, we're going to talk about woodworking. This guy, we're going to talk about this. Well, if the faith is our central identity, it should be something that we talk about. So mm-hmm. I think through talking about faith, the gospel message, maybe what you're reading, what the church is going through, you know, it'll lead into conversations with somebody about faith. And then I, my, my new favorite thing is I love reading books with people. Mm-hmm. I find yeah. people want to be, you know, readers more. And so I'm more likely to say, hey, would you read this book with me? Yeah. And then we'll read through it together. That's really cool. Um, one more thing I would add to that is that if you um, are feeling brave, which I hope you would, because you don't have to be a Bible scholar to read the Bible with another person. Mm-hmm. But let's say that you've met someone, they're they're ready, they want to learn about this, and they want to understand. Maybe they say, okay, I know that I went to church as a kid, but I have no idea what the Bible mm-hmm. says. Um, a really quick read and helpful tool is one-to-one Bible reading by David Helm. Mm. Um, super simple, practical way to um, figure out how to sit down with another person and read a passage of Scripture, and he even walks you through how to um, read to understand and um, and then how to um, make a plan so that you guys are digging into the Word together, even if you don't always understand it. Um, and so I highly recommend that book. I have not read that, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put that in the show notes. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so if people are yeah. interested in checking it out, they can click awesome. there. Sounds so, good. Um, I, guess, I think one last thing too is, I mean, and it's super simple, but, you know, as you are asking them about their faith, what they believe, um, they may ask you about what you believe as well. Mm-hmm. And I, just a couple quick things. I, I would be... Um, First of all, you want to be really honest with them. If they ask a question that you don't know the answer to, that's okay. Tell them, you know, I don't know the answer, but I'd love to get back to you on that. And go and find the answer and get back to them on it. Yeah. Another thing you could do too, honestly, um, invite them into into your community. Invite them into your D group. Invite them into the women's ministry or the men's ministry. Invite them to come to church and just sit with you at church and listen. And um, those are just really simple ways to just welcome them into um, what you, where you're growing. And, and I think, I think that's a, it's a huge thing for them as well, just to see that lived out. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks guys. So, well, Hey, this has been, uh, I think we've gone a little long, <laughs> but, uh, but this has been a really good conversation. Lots of good stuff. Mitch, thanks for preaching this week. Yeah, uh, it's fun. it was, it was encouraging and I think, um, exciting to, uh, really just launch into this series with this passage. And, um, I think it was, awesome. So, um, you know, we're going to be over these next six weeks digging into the Go Together series, and we're going to be talking through that here on the podcast. So we're excited about what's coming with the Go Together series, and we hope you are too. Again, if you have any questions about things that we talked about on the podcast, reach out to us. We'd love to chat with you, and we hope that you will join us next time on the Sunday Recap.